Well, good morning. This is still weird. You sure you guys don't want to move over here? So, <laughs> all right, that's good. We got we got a lot of people traveling and, and going around, but I'm so glad that you guys are here. Um, as we just have continuing this series, made for mission. Um, I have loved this series. Th- this is where I live. I, I love this idea um, that we are all on mission. Just a quick review um, for those of you that haven't been here or maybe missed a week or so. A couple weeks ago, um, we talked about that we're all called. And every single person on this planet, every person that knows Christ and has a relationship with Christ is called to something. And even those that don't know him are called to know him. And so there is a purpose and a plan for all of us. And that's great news today. Because I don't know about you, but I see people all the time walking around that just seem lost and they have no idea what they're supposed to do or where they're supposed to go and all that stuff. And so we are all called. We all have a mission. Um, And we talked about what our mission is. Um, Basically, it's the continuation of Jesus' mission. He came to present God, to reconcile people back to him, to to have the gospel spread, to open up the idea that we can have a relation back with our creator. And it's our job just to continue that mission. What he started so long ago, um, we have a message to our message. It's all it is, is just telling people what God has done for us. It's that simple, just saying this is what God has done for him. And then last week we talked about who our mission is, and we found out that God has placed us in places where there are people all around us, that we have influence. And so there is a group of people that God has placed us in that we are on mission to reach and do that. And so it's been great. So we've talked about the what and the who and, and, and all this stuff and everything. But today I want to talk about why, why we are on mission. And so I, I want to show you something real quick. Um, I don't know if you can see it. You see that little green dot with the blue circle around it? That's our church. That, that's right where we're at. That, that's the perfect little location and everything. And that circle is three miles. Now, I, I don't know if you can see this really, really well, but this is a census back in 2017, updated census. Back in 2000, there were about 10,000 people that lived within three miles. By 2010, there were 19,000. By 2017, there were 24,000, and by 2022, it's 27,000, probably closer now to 30,000 people within three miles of where you're sitting right now. Think about that. Within the, we walk three miles every day just around our house. I know because I have a Fitbit and I track it. <laughs> It is not just literally within three by 2022. There's going to be nearly probably 30,000 people within three miles of this place. Now, that seems overwhelming. That seems huge. And and all of a says, well, what are we going to do about 30,000 people? Well, that's what I want to talk about, because those people are the why. That we are on mission. So you have your Bibles this morning. I want you to turn to John chapter 13. If you don't have them, we have them available, kind of spread out about. If you don't have one or you've lost yours or any of that stuff, take ours. Put your name in it. It's a gift. If you'd rather use your um, electronic device, we have a Wi-Fi here, GBC guest. Just type in find more. It's a password, all lower caps. But this morning, as we um, dive into this idea of why we're on mission, why we have this message, and why we're supposed to do it, I just want to remind you once again that these are the only words that matter. It's the only reason I get to preach. It's the only reason I get to stand up. It's the only reason we get to be a church is because of these words. And I, I, don't, I don't know about how it is in other churches and other places, but this is the only authority that I have to say anything, and it's the only words that matter. And it will always be that way here. And so out of respect for that and out of acknowledge that, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read in John chapter 13, starting at verse 1. 
John writes this. He says, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now it was time. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given him everything into his hands, and that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? <coughs> and Jesus answered him, <coughs> What I'm doing, you don't realize now, but after you, you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. But one who, one who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. You pray with me. God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this journey that you have brought us on. God, reminding us about this mission, this life of purpose and meaning, this life of impact. God, I pray that this is more than just a sermon that we listen to just some notes on a page or a passage we read, but God, this is a life-changing event for us, God, that you give us new eyes. God, give us a new passion, a burning for the people that are around us. God, as we looked at that map and just the idea that so many people within walking distance of this church, God, and so many of them don't know you. So many of them are hopeless and lost. God, and you have placed us here for this time, for such a time as this, God. And so this morning, I ask once again that these would be your words, not mine. God, that you would meet us where we're at, but move us from there. Father, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, God, that you would change us. That we'd be different when we walk out of this building. God, we pray for eyes to see, for ears to hear, for a heart that will respond. God, and the courage to live out what you're calling us to today. Father, just move. Bring revival to every church that's meeting this morning. Bring revival that your people will stand and speak out. And God, may you get all the glory and all the praise. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I know I harp a lot about, like, you need to go and share the gospel. You need to go share your story. In fact, I probably say it every Sunday, and, and there's an old old story about a church that hired a new pastor. And they brought him in, and they let him preach, and they said, man, that was a great sermon. You're our pastor, and you're going to do it. And they were very excited, young guy, and everything. And so the next week, the pastor showed up, and he preached the exact same sermon. And so all the people in the church and the leaders said, well, you know, he's young. Maybe, maybe you know, let's, let's give him a chance and stuff. He's, he's probably a little nervous. So he came back the next week, preached the exact same sermon. Four weeks in a row, exact same sermon. So finally some of the leaders went up to him and said, hey, we understand you're young and everything, but you can preach something a little bit different. He's like, I tell you what, I'll start preaching something different when you do what I'm preaching. <laughs> <laughs> and so I will continuously be harping and saying we have to share the gospel 
because that is what we're here for. That is why this church is here. I say it's really a difference. And for some of us, I know we're sitting there saying, well, do I really have to? Do I have to go and talk to my neighbor or my friend and everything? And I think it's a difference between a TV dinner and a pot pie. You guys remember TV dinners? I don't know if they even sell those anymore. Remember, you had Salisbury steak in one compartment. You had, you had the mashed potatoes in another compartment. And then you had peach cobbler or something like in another. And it was all really nice and separated. The problem is, is that's how a lot of us live our faith. We've got God here and church here. And then there's my works. And that is where actually our faith is called to be a pot pie. Where if you had a pot pie, it's just all mixed in there together. I'm not a big pot pie fan. I don't like the carrots and all that stuff. But that's, that's the way we're supposed to live, y'all. That's what our faith is. We, we've got to get past this compartmentalizing of like, this is, I'll be a Christian on Sunday. I'll sing some songs and stuff. And I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. We can never, ever be the church out there, if we're, or no, the church in here, if we're not the church out there. If we're not living out our faith and, and being transformed and actually living it out, it makes no sense for us to show up Sunday or Sunday. This is a waste of time for you. It's a waste of time for me. It is supposed to be everything. And that's really what I want to talk about is that's why we're on mission, because it's easy to know the what. It's easy to know. I know what to say. I know who to say it to and everything. But if you don't understand the why, you're going to lose passion. It's going to get hard and it's going to get tiring. And you're going to give up. You know, it's always been my heart and my belief that, especially as a pastor, youth pastor, now as a, like a lead pastor, senior pastor, that if we have to not only understand what we believe, we have to understand why. Because that's what carries us through. And so this morning, that's really, really what I want us to get to pot pie faith and, and pot pie mission where everything's being. And so it's important for us to know the why. It's important for us to know the why. It helps us. The very first thing I want you to see, go back to John 13, starting at verse 1. And, and look at this. And we're just sitting in here all day, so you're not going to have to flip pages or change anything. We're staying right here, so, so you're good. But starting at verse 1 again, it says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now it was time for supper. The devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. And Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands that he had come from God, that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet to dry them with a towel tied around him. It is a beautiful picture, but it is a crazy picture if you really, really think about it. See, when we know why. And we know the why. It takes away all the excuses not to do it. See, I mean, just, just think about this picture for just a moment. This is Jesus, God in flesh, the creator of everything. The one that in John, beginning of John, says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He spoke everything into existence. He was there at creation. He is the one that, the Bible says that if, if God, Jesus is the one that holds it all together. Like, literally, if he stopped thinking about you and me for a moment, we would cease to exist. That the very molecules that hold together, Jesus is the one that holds together. That is him washing his disciples' feet. Who had more right of any excuses not to do that than Jesus? Can you imagine? Man, I made these feet. 
These guys haven't listened to me for three years anyway. They don't, ah, I just want to relax a little bit because I know what's coming. It said he knew he was at the end. He knew the cross was coming. Would anybody blame him? Say, man, I just want to recline and eat a good meal because there's a lot of trouble coming down the road. He had every reason to have an excuse. And yet, even in this moment, he gives us a picture of what it means to be on mission. He gives us this picture because what Jesus knew is that the foundation of his mission flows from his identity. Think about this for a minute. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He was Messiah. He was God in flesh, God the Son. He knew exactly what he was here for. He came to redeem the world. He came to pay for the sins that we can't pay for, that we can't do anything about. He was going to take it upon himself. He knew exactly where he was going. He knew he had the cross, but he saw beyond the cross. See, that's the thing about Jesus has vision beyond. Too many times we get vision for right ahead of us. And that's all we see. But Jesus saw beyond the cross, the crucifixion and all that suffering and all that torture. He saw beyond. He saw that he was going to return to the father. He was going back home. And so he knew where he was going. And also he knew where the power came from. It says the father had given him all power. His identity kept him on mission. It was the foundation of his mission. When they weren't listening, when, when things were hard, when they were arguing with him, he could stay on mission because his identity says that. And the truth is, it works the same for us. Can I ask you, do you know who you are this morning? Because I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people out there that don't. They think they're something. They think they can be something, but they have no clue who they are. I, I love I love that I started in youth ministry. It's still my heart is in youth ministry. I love that kids would show up and they would have like piercings and tattoos and, and all these clothing. And I'm like, why are you dressing like that? It's because I am an individual. I'm like, then why do you look like all those 20? <laughs> <laughs> See, we try so hard to make our identity in something else and, and we don't know who we are. You are God's creation. Do you understand that? That he made everything. When I said that Jesus spoke everything into existence, God spoke the stars and the planet and the animals. Do you know if you and me, he got his hands dirty? That it said he literally molded us with his hands. Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? If you're a follower of Christ today, my Bible says that you were bought with a price. You're not your own. Sin doesn't own you. This world doesn't own you. That Jesus Christ paid the price and he bought you back. That's whose you are. Do you know what you're here for? We've been talking about it for weeks. We are called. We are made for mission. Do you know where you're going? That I consider these momentary afflictions nothing compared to the glory that I will know in eternity. And do you know where the power comes from? If, if you think this is me, I can't do this. This is exhausting. Uh, Bill Hybels was the pastor of a very large Willow Creek church and stuff, and he always did um, um, communication 
like conferences, and I would go to them. I'm like sit there, and I'm just this little guy just sitting in back with all these pastors in these churches of 30, 40,000 people and stuff like that, and I'm just taking notes and everything. And I love that um, he said one time um, he had um, one of President Clinton's speechwriters come up to him and says, hey, who writes your sermons? <laughs> He's like, I do that every week. You don't have a team to do that? No worry. He's like, no, it's, it's the Holy Spirit or there's no way I could do this. So if you, if you think you have the power to do what God has called you to do and complete what God has called you to do and to reach those 30,000 people, I'm going to tell you no. You don't. But God does. And my Bible says the same power that rose Christ from the dead dwells in me. That's unlimited. Do, do you know that it flows from identity? It, it works the same for us as it did for Jesus. But the truth is, is that's awesome, and it sounds really good, but you may be sitting there, Pastor, that's great. Okay, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I owe him. I belong to him and everything. That still doesn't answer why. Let's get into that. Look at, look at verse 6. It says, he came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Can you imagine? Here's Peter. <coughs> Peter, the blusterous, the loud one, the one that's always like, I'll get out of the boat. I'll walk on water. I'll do this. I can do I'm all that. <coughs> this guy, and he looks at Jesus like, you, dude, you're not going to wash my feet. Rabbi? No. And I love it. Jesus answers, what I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterward, you'll understand. Peter and I have a lot in common. I think we're going to hang out in heaven because we always take it a step too far. <laughs> we always like say before we think because his next words are, you will never wash my feet. <laughs> I love Jesus reply. He says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter again <laughs> says to him, Lord, well, okay, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Do it all. And Jesus answers, one who has bathed doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he's completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said not all of you are clean. You, you get this picture that um, Jesus models this kind of pattern of how our relationship with God should be. Um, and, and it's very, very simple. And so if you don't write down anything else or you don't listen to anything, listen, listen to this. I, I want you to get this pattern. It is this idea of pouring out Pour in and then pouring out again. Pour out, pour in, and pour out. And, and I want to show you that Jesus modeled this all through his life. And the idea is that he took time to pour out what was going on in his life. He took time to talk to the Father and say, this is happening and this is happening. Even though God knows and the Father knows all, he still just poured out his heart like that. In fact, we see that just in, in John 11, a couple of chapters before this. Things are getting rough. The Pharisees are like, we're going to kill this guy and, and all this stuff. And they're getting really worried about it. And so they leave and they go to Bethany. And it's like a little prayer retreat with his disciples. And so they take time to pour out to God. They get time to pour out to the Father and say, here's what's happening. Here are the struggles. Here's the mess. Here's all the stuff. And then right after that in John 12, he shows back up and he gets anointed with perfume. He gets anointed. And so someone pours back into him. And then all of a sudden we see him here in John 13, that here he is, he's washing his disciples' feet. He's pouring back out. Do you get the pattern? 
I, I pour out to God. I get poured into so I can pour out to someone else. He does. A, in fact, right after this, he just models it again. Because what does he do? He goes to the garden and he prays if this cup can be taken from me. Is there any other way to provide salvation for men? Let it do it. I'm worried. I see what's coming. His humanity is in full flag. It says that he prayed so hard that his blood was like his he sweat blood. The, the corpuscles broke. He was under so much stress and strain. And he poured out himself to the Father. And then what happens right after? God, the Father, sends an angel to minister to him, to pour back into him. And what happens after that? The most epic pouring out of all history. Christ died on the cross. You see the pattern? We pour out, we pour in, and then we pour out again. In fact, that's when, when I've been talking about this whole time for these last few weeks, it's the idea that we're made for mission. We're made for mission. It's not about me getting you out there to grow the church and to like, get some gold stars on God's little board that says, oh, they shared the gospel. Here's another cookie. And also, It's not that. It is that we are made for mission. That is the same as our relationship with God. It should mirror our relationship with God. We do this because God pours in to us and pours out and we pour out to other people and we pour out to God we do that it is it is synonymous with our relationship of being on mission listen listen to this the depth I pour out to God is the depth he pours into me the depth God pours into me is the depth I pour into others. Do you get that? Are, are, are you understanding this? I'm, I'm, I'm going to use a visual aid. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not going to make a mess. See, here's the deal. Here's our life. It, it's dirty. It's old. This is like week and a half old coffee. It's not good. Anybody thirsty? No. But this is our life, and we get junk in there, and we get garbage in there, and we things happen. And we go to the Father, and we go to God and say, God, this is all that's happening to me. This is all, I just don't want anything. And we pour out all that we have into him. And we let it all go. But then God does something amazing. He's like, okay, cool, you emptied yourself. Now I'm going to refill you. And it's clear and it's clean. The problem is, is if it stays there, it's going to turn that again. And so what we are called to do is take what God has poured into us and then pour it into someone else. And then repeat. I pour out, God pours into me. I pour out, God pours into me. I pour into others. I pour out, God pours into me. I pour into others. And I go... This is a fountain that will never run dry. Can I tell you that? You are never going to overload God with your issues or your problems. You are never going to take God by surprise. God's never going to go like, what would you do now? Gosh, I didn't see that coming. It's never going to happen. He has an infinite capacity of pouring back into us, which means that there's an infinite capacity of us pouring into others all the time church that's what our faith has to look like if you claim to follow Jesus that's what it has to look like that's the why we're 
on mission because we can't keep it to ourselves. We talked about the woman at the well last week. And Jesus said, if you ask for me, I'll give you living water. And it is like a, it is a well that is going to spring up. In fact, it's, it's the idea, it's a picture of an artesian well. You ever seen an artesian well? You hit it, that water starts flowing and just keeps flowing and keeps flowing and keeps flowing. That's what God puts in us through his Holy Spirit, that it keeps flowing. And if you bottle it up, if you keep it up, it's going to turn yucky. It's going to turn brown. It's going to become useless. And so as we pour out, we get poured into, we have to keep pouring it into other people. Can you see how a little church of 20, 30 people can reach 30,000 people now? Because our God can reach 30,000 people. It's infinite of what we can do. That's why we're on mission. It's not that I want kudos from God. It's not that I want gold stars. It's that my relationship with God means that I'm getting filled and I got to pour that into something else so that I can get filled again over and over and over again. We have to live the why. We have to live it out. It's not something we can just do on a Sunday morning. It's not something we can do at a Bible study. It's something we have to do out there. Look at, look at John 13, look at 13, verse 13. Look what Jesus says. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent them. And if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. What a great picture. Here's what Jesus says. We, we, it's not good enough just to know why and to know what but we've got to do it we've got to live it out he says we are called to go and do listen i i i work in a world that is very very secular at universal i love it i have conversations every day and people are like oh i go to church and then they my army drill sergeant would be embarrassed in some of the language that comes out of their mouth it's like a challenge to them. They're like, what can we say that maybe a cuss word Tony's never heard? I'm like, it's going to be a lot. I spent a lot of years in the Army. <laughs> and I talked to them. And I had a couple of them say, oh, I go to church. I had one guy says, yeah, I play music in my church. I'm like, how is that reflected in the way you live? Well, you know, it's just, you know, it's just the way now. No, it's not. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you got to look different. I'm sorry. We are called. In fact, my Bible says be holy, be set apart. We should look different because if we don't look any different, then what's the use of someone looking into faith and hope that God gives us? They look at us and they see no difference whatsoever in the life that we live. And that's what's happening. All over our churches and everything, we are so concerned about hurting someone's feelings that we have denied the truth. Listen, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to step on toes. <coughs> I want them to know the truth because my Bible says the truth is going to set them free. Amen. And so we have to be different. And so we have to call. We're called to go and do just like Jesus. And if that means washing somebody's nasty feet that have been walking around on trails and everything, then we get down and we wash their feet. See, the problem is, is Peter saw this and he was missing the point. 
Jesus wasn't saying, well, you're done, Peter. You're out of here. You're fired. He's like, if you don't let me do this, if you don't understand what I'm doing, you've missed the point of the last three and a half years of all the healings, of all the preaching, of all the miracles. You've missed the point. And I'm afraid that so many of us in church today and so many of us are walking life, we have missed the point of why Jesus came. And that's to redeem the world, to restore that relationship, to be the perfect sacrifice. How can I keep that to myself? How can I keep that to myself? See, the problem is, is our culture teaches us upward mobility. Climb that ladder, you know, get up. It's that next rung. It's that that's that promotion. It's that bigger house. It's that better car. It's those better friends. It's a better bank account. It's also where Christianity is actually teaching us and commanding us for downward mobility. (laughs) We're supposed to start stepping down the ladder to get to the lowest of these, because the truth is, is the more we are poured into, the more we should serve and sacrifice for others. Stop climbing up the ladder and take a few rungs down. We live in a culture that says just step on them, step over them, whatever you need to do to succeed. Listen, the only success I know of that matters for all eternity is when my Lord and my Savior looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the only way we get that is by stepping down the ladder, not keep climbing up. That's why we do it, because he did it. He said, I set an example for you. And if I can do it, then you need to do it. And, and I love the idea. He says, we get blessed. Verse 17, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, we, we've kind of messed up that word a little bit, too, about blessing. It's like, what is, what is the blessing and stuff? We know, like, the original Greek, it just means happy and stuff. But it's more than that. Sometimes we think blessing is like, you mean if I share the gospel with people, I'm going to get that like giant house in my boat? Gosh, I wish so. I want a boat. (laughs) Or I'm going to get this or I'm going to do that. No, no, the blessing, the blessing is this, is the very first thing is that the more we do it, the more we serve others, the more we become like Christ. By the way, that's the goal of all this. It's not heaven. Heaven's a side benefit. Pearly gates, streets of gold, crystal sea, all that stuff, that beautiful stuff where we can't even explain what that's a side benefit. The goal of Christ's coming was for us to be redeemed and restored to our original creation, perfect, just like Jesus. Listen, heaven could be four corners. It can look just like this. But if I'm with Jesus, I'm in his presence, that's the goal. We need to stop preaching like, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Of course you want to go to heaven. I've never met anybody that said they didn't want to go to heaven. One guy says, I want to go to hell. And then I showed him some Bible verses. He's like, no, I don't want to go there. (laughs) It's not about going to heaven. It's about being made and restored perfect. And the more we serve and sacrifice, the more we do this and live on mission because that's what our faith is and that's how we express our faith, the more we become like Christ. And the other thing is, the more we are with Christ. Can I tell you something? I've been into some of the scariest places in this world. I've been in a foxhole in the middle of a desert with chemical alarms going off crazy. With a daughter that was just three months old when I left, a wife back at an army base waiting to hear from me, 
CNN and their genius ability to put stuff on the news decided it was a good idea to put the life expectancy of different soldier units on thing. Mine was eight seconds. But I can tell you in that foxhole when everything was going crazy and I was afraid like, oh God, I'm done, I cried out and Christ was with me. And all the fear went away. See, the more we live this, the more we do it because of why. Because, man, I, wanna, I don't want to spend a day without Jesus. Not in this world. Not in any world. Especially not in this world. I want people to see him. I want to become more and more like him. Because the closer I am, when, I, when that process is complete, by the way, I am in his presence for eternity, by the way. So at the moment that like I get that stamp and says, exactly like Jesus, guess what? I'm in the presence of the Father for eternity. So get me there sooner. And in the meantime, I just want Christ with me everywhere I go. Because it makes all the world a difference. See, this is why. Those 30,000 people that live around here, that's why. Because they should be able to experience this just like you and I have. We've got to secure that why. You've got to hold on to it because I'm telling you, it's hard. There are days, I promise you, when I am standing at Universal or talking to somebody, I'm like, why am I here? I just don't want to deal with these knuckleheads anymore. Can't you just come back <laughs> and we're just done? God, do I actually, do I need to plan another sermon? Can we just, can we just, you just be the pastor. I'll, I'll, I'll open the door. And greet people. I'll hand out bulletins for your service, God. Whatever you want. Just, we have to secure that why. And, it's, and I'm telling you, that why is our identity is found in Christ. We do it because we are his. We were redeemed by him. We, it was modeled to us that everything I have, my identity is based in Jesus. Not on the job I have, not how big my church is, not how many people listen to my sermons, not how many books I wrote, how much money is in my bank account. None of that stuff is my identity. My identity is that I am a sinner saved by grace. That is my identity. And the world can do nothing to take that away from me. And when we hold on to that, the why, bring it. I don't care. Bring it. What are they going to do? I had a guy, I told you this a couple weeks ago, I had a guy I was working with sitting there, and he looked at me and says, you scared to die? I'm like, no. <laughs> Shoot. That'd be awesome. <laughs> He's like, what? I said, well, when I die, I'm getting a new body. I'm getting all I'm going to be fully restored. I'm going to be in God's presence. There's no more death, no more dying, no more sin, no more sorrow, none of that stuff. No, I'm, I'm going to... I'm not afraid to die. In fact, my Bible says for me to live is to be like Christ. It means I'm going to suffer. There's going to be problems. There's going to be trials. But for me to die would be so much better. And he looked at me and says, you're nuts. I'm like, bring it. Because my identity is found in Christ, not in being a pastor. And I got to tell you, that's hard for me sometimes. I think that's one of the reasons God put me over in Universal. Because at Universal, I'm not Pastor Tony. I'm Tony the pastor. There's a huge difference. My identity is not being in a husband or a dad or anything like that. My identity is in Christ. And because of that, I can get up tomorrow and be on mission again and again. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. You're, you're going to mess up. Listen, Peter, Peter just went through this. 
He's like, oh, wash all of me. I'm all in and everything. And Peter, I mean, just a few moments later, fell asleep while Jesus was pouring out his heart. And then a few moments later, that denied that he even knew Jesus. But then that same Peter preached and thousands of people came to know him on one day. Can I, can I just put to you, your greatest failure may be God's greatest victory. You're not going to be perfect, but God is, and he will take everything and redeem it and use it for his glory. We just have to keep being on mission. At the end of his life, I think Peter remembered that. Because if you read the books on 1st, 2nd, 3rd Peter, if you read those, you kind of hear. Peter kind of grew up a little bit over that time. Where those mistakes and those things that he thought, he just poured them back out to God. And God just kept pouring it back into him. I, I love this. Romans ten fifteen. This entire passage is one of my favorite passages. Is why I am a pastor. It talks about how will they know unless somebody tells them? How will they hear unless someone gives them the message? And, and I love that because so often we've gotten to a point where we said, well, you know, that whole Francis of Assisi said, share the gospel if necessary, use words. By the way, he never said that. In fact, it's really dumb if you think about it. Because you can show people Jesus. And they can look and say, oh, that's what Jesus looks like. But to know him, you've got to tell him. We're called to speak the truth. But look what it says at the end of that passage. It says in Romans 10, 15, it says, And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You never, I, ne- I never tied this in until this week, this idea. Can I ask you, has anybody looked at your feet and said, Man, you got beautiful feet. I know that's a little awkward. But they're only beautiful because my Lord washed them clean and then put me on a path to share. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. Can I ask you, what better news is there is that there's a Savior that died for you, and you don't have to do nothing except turn to him. I had that conversation yesterday with a guy. He's like, well, I think all faiths are valuable. I'm like, no. Either they're all right, or one's right, or, and, or they're all wrong. I said, but can I tell you the difference between what I believe and what everybody else believes? What you believe and everybody else believes is you have to be a good enough person. Man, if I'm only just good enough, then it will outweigh. So all my good deeds measure up. And then on that big scale, you know, hopefully my good outweighs. I don't have to be good enough because Jesus was. I'm saved by grace, not by works, lest I ever boast. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. We need to have some beautiful feet. I just remember this. The foundation of ministry, of mission flows from your identity you were you were made for mission but you were made for mission by your identity in christ that's where the power is that's where the change comes that's why i always say these words are the only things that matter because it's his words that change i can't change i can't argue i can't convince anybody it is the power of christ in me that does that of aw pink great theologian says this what is god's remedy for dejection and apparent failure in our labors this The assurance that God's purpose cannot fail, 
that God's plans cannot miscarry, that God's will must be done. Our labors are not intended to bring about that which God has not decreed. I have told you this before, and I'll tell you this in closing again. It is a win-win situation. You share what God has done for you. You understand why? Because Jesus did, and we do that, and we serve, and we give. But you just share what God has done for you, and you leave the rest up to God. You ain't going to save anybody. You ain't going to change anybody. That's God's job. We can't lose. Someone looks at you and says, that's stupid. I'm not going to listen to that and walks away. It's not on you. You just share and you share and you share and you share and you let God take care of the rest. As I grew up in a church that people were, I had a pastor who tells me, it's like, man, if you don't share the gospel, they're going to go to hell. They're going to do that. No. God's will can't be thwarted. It can't be created. If I don't share it, somebody else is, and it's not up to us anyway. It's God that changes lives. It's God that saves everybody. It's Jesus that died on the cross. All I got to do is tell somebody, and I'll leave the rest up to God. I can't lose, and neither can you, because we are on mission. Why? Because Jesus was, and I want to be more like him. And I'll be more with him every day. Let's pray.